Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. If you'll join me, uh, I want to um, take a few moments to look at our biblical description of what Jesus is doing right now. You know, I think sometimes that we get the idea that um, Jesus is up just biding time, waiting until it's time for his return, and um, just being in that holding pattern. But that's not the case. The Word of God shows us exactly what Jesus is doing. Uh, Hebrews 3, 1 is uh, my first example. We see in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, that Jesus is holding the position as our high priest. Aren't you thankful that Jesus is holding that place in our life and, and performing all of the responsibilities as our high priest. It says here, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high, high priest of our profession. And this word profession is the word confession. What we profess, uh, we would use the word probably more in Old English than we do in today's uh, verbiage, but I profess to you this day, I make this, this declaration, Jesus is the high priest over the things that we declare. Yeah. And that's why we've got to learn to speak in line with his word, yes. because he's watching over the words that we say to find those words that he can work in line with. When we have uh, those areas in our life where we are um, saying things that are contrary to the word, it hinders God from being able to operate with those. We know in Malachi, he said, your words have been stout against me. And in the original language, it gives the idea of your words have tied my hands. Uh, Brother Ron, would you reach right up there and hit that light switch? I think those lights would come on if you did. Praise the Lord. Glory, let there be light. When, um, when our words are out of order with the Word of God, when they, they are contrary to the Word of God, then with, there are times that the enemy can work with our words. And so we don't want to give him any words that he can work with. But Jesus as our high priest, you know, when you declare Jesus as Lord, he takes those words and records them. Amen. Now they're on record. Those words are on record for us. So, so our declarations of faith, Jesus is receiving those declarations of faith and he is working with us. So he is the high priest. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 also speaks of an activity that Jesus is involved in. Uh, present day ministry, you could say. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5 says, There is one God and one 
mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He is our mediator. Hallelujah, our mediator. And we are thankful for his role and his activity as our mediator. Hebrews 7 and 25, I just want to show you these uh, references to the present-day ministry of Jesus so that you can realize that he is active and involved in the work of God here in our lives and on this planet. Hebrews 7, 25 indicates he's our intercessor. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. And we know that word intercession is not limited to the prayer of intercession. He, the intercession is a work of going between. The word intercede actually means to go between. And as it moved through uh, its growth as a word, it came in the New Testament to even mean to make a petition before the king. And so he is a go-between. Hallelujah. So it's not just a prayer of intercession. We pray the prayer of intercession, fulfilling the work or administering the work of his intercession, of his going between. He went between God and man and provided that connection through his shed blood, through the sacrifice of his body, so that we would have a road or a way or a means to get to God. The Bible calls it a new and living way in the book of Hebrews. By this new and living way, we can approach God. So he is our intercessor. He is also our advocate, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So because we are still living in the flesh. We're not, we're not living by the flesh. We're not living to the flesh, but we're in this body and we have the capacity to sin. I don't recommend it. It's not, it's not anything that you want to have to uh, pay the wages of it. Uh, but when, when we recognize that we have an advocate so that if we sin, we can go to him and he will, he will be the one who cleanses us from all unrighteousness, who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We have an advocate. And then finally, he is the Lord and head of the church. And I have two references for that, Philippians 2.11 and Ephesians 1.22. We'll read Philippians first of all. Philippians 2.11. He is the Lord and the head of the church. That is even more related to the daily activity of our lives because as head of the church, he is governing the direction of the church, the activity of the church, And we are members of this church body, members in particular. In verse 11, it says of chapter 2 that uh, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory 
of God the Father. He is Lord, and we know because we've been studying on the name of Jesus that this is referring to this position. God has highly exalted him into and given him this title, this dominion, this position, this name that is above every name. And then in Ephesians 1 and verse 22, it refers to him as being uh, the head of the church. Hallelujah. And we read it this morning in our discussion about the name of Jesus. It says here, uh, he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So he is the Lord and he is the head of the church. This is his present day ministry. These aspects that we have found in the New Testament indicate what Jesus does on a daily basis, what he is currently involved in and responsible for. So now we know he's not sitting sitting idly by waiting for the indicator that it's time for his return, but instead he's active, he's involved, he is leading the charge. Amen? Amen? And so when we recognize that, then we will become more sensitive to what is he doing. We will become more interested. You know, you could take, for instance, um, a general, and that general may be over this huge group of soldiers, and he may come out on one of those celebration days, and they've got all the soldiers, and they've got them all out, and they're marching, and they're doing their drills, and they're doing the different uh, uh, ceremonial things that they do, and all of those uh, general that that general steps up in front of all those soldiers who recognize he's in charge, and and they know what that general is in charge of. But that general might go back to his house, and he takes off his uniform, and his little two-year-old runs in the room, and that two-year-old doesn't know right. how many people look to him and recognize. That uh, how many people have their, their submission to his authority and how much his decisions affect the things that go on in their lives. That little two-year-old just sees daddy, yeah. right? Amen. But as that two-year-old begins to grow and as he begins to mature and as he begins to be more involved in his father's life, then he'll begin to see, wow, My dad has a big responsibility. My dad is in charge of a lot of decisions that affect a lot of these people's lives, and he'll begin to see the brevity of what is taking place in his father's daily life. And the same is true as we mature in the things of God, as we grow as children of God from that place of needing the milk of the word and we become more uh, um, mature and developed in spiritual things so that we can take and receive of the meat of the word, we also begin to recognize the more eternal value of what our Lord is doing, of what his activity is on the earth. We become more interested in what he's doing every day. We we come to the place as we mature and grow in God that we want to be involved and find our position in what he's doing. 
And that's what we recognize as the word begins to illustrate the plan and the patterns that God has established for us. Jesus Christ is doing his work on the earth through his body, the church. And he has given us a pattern for us to follow. How many of you want to follow the pattern that he has set forth? How many of you want to follow the pattern he has given us? Well, that's what we want to learn about tonight. When uh, he made this declaration in Matthew 28 and verse 18, it was a declaration that brought information the disciples were not aware of before. We read this morning from Colossians chapter 2, and Colossians 2 showed us that when Jesus triumphed on the cross, that he led a victory parade dragging the defeated powers and principalities in a parade of defeat, in a parade of his victory and their defeat. And the disciples had no clue. They didn't understand that. They didn't understand when he went to the cross why he was going to the cross. They, Peter even said to him, Lord, pity yourself. Think about yourself. That can't happen to you. You're going to be the leader of, of the kingdom. They didn't understand how broad the kingdom really was. They were thinking Rome, and, and he, was, he was looking at the universe. He, yeah, he's going to be the leader, all right. But he's not just going to be leader over this little geographical location. He is going to be the, the head of the universe. He's going to be the Lord of lords, the king of kings. He is going to be given the name that is above every name. But when he went to the cross, they didn't understand that. They thought it was defeat. They, they, they looked at the cross as an area of defeat. They, they were in sorrow the whole weekend. When, when they went to the tomb, so upset at the report of the women who came back and said, he's not in the tomb. They came back saying, those women are hysterical. Those women are speaking nonsense. They're hysterical. And they ran to help look for his body because they didn't take what Jesus said at face value. They didn't take what Jesus said literally when Jesus said, in three days, I will rise again. It was three days and they were still looking for the dead among the, the tombs. And the angels had to say, why are you here? When the women came, the angel says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. Amen. He's not here. Why? Because they didn't understand the victory and the, the full effect of what had taken place on the cross and in the burial and through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is saying something here in verse 18 of chapter 28 that is, uh, it is new information. It is an update. It is an updated report because, you know, back there in Luke chapter 10, he delegated authority to his disciples. 
But the authority that he delegated was the same authority that Adam was supposed to have operated in. But because Adam fell, he sinned. And that authority that God had intended for mankind to operate fell under a place where the enemy became uh, in control of that authority. And the enemy tempted Jesus with that authority by saying, I'll give you the dominion of all these kingdoms if you'll bow down and worship me. But when, when Jesus, because he was alive unto God, because he was born of God, he was anointed of God, he was capable of operating in man's authority. God never rescinded it from man. Man just fell under Satan's authority. But here's a man who's not under Satan's authority, and he says, I can tell the wind and the wind will obey me. I can tell the waves, and the waves will obey me. Why? Because I'm not under Satan's authority. He's come. He's tried. He's found no place in me. Amen? Amen. But we know that when Jesus became obedient unto death, Philippians chapter 2, he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. In that obedience, it says, wherefore, or because of this, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. So because of his obedience on the cross, there was a shift, there was a placement, there was a greater position put that Jesus was placed into, it says, wherefore, wherefore meaning because of his obedience on the cross, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this placement was, was after the victory of the cross, after the obedience. Why? Because now he's in a place to present the, not he was the first begotten, but now he's referred to as, uh, he was the only begotten at one point, but now he's referred to as the first begotten of many sons, many brethren. He was presenting the brethren. He's now in the position. He holds the position and we come up under his headship. Hallelujah. He says, all power in heaven and in earth, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The authority that he operated, Adam's authority that God had given was on the earth. I give you authority over all, all the plants, all the animals. I give you authority on the earth. But this authority that Jesus has now been given is a universal authority. It is an overall authority. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then Jesus delegates that authority. You go therefore in my name. And he delegates that authority. Now let's Remember the definition of the word power because in the New Testament, the King James has translated it power, whether it's talking about 
the dunamis power, the dynamite explosive miracle power, or if it's talking about the authority. King James has just put power in both places, but it helps us to know the difference because, for instance, in Luke 10, when he said, behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy, it's two different words. He said, behold, I give you authority over all the ability of the enemy, exousia over all the dunamis. I give you exousia over all the dunamis of the enemy. In other words, whatever ability the devil might have, you can tell it it can't operate. You can stop it from operating. I give you the authority over whatever ability he may have. So you can say, lack cannot operate in my house. Sickness can't stay any longer. Right, Why? Because we've been given authority over the ability. Whatever he's able to do, I can say you can't do it here. In the area that I have authority, in the sphere of jurisdiction that I am. See, he's the Lord of. We got to be lording over something. We've got to be in dominion. We've got to take our place of dominion as I'm in charge of this. I am in dominion over what happens in my finances. I'm in dominion over what happens in this area. Amen. Amen? And when we take that dominion, we're taking it in the name of Jesus. So Mark 16, verses 15 through 20. Mark 16 is the Great Commission, but it's... What, what does the word commission mean? It's the delegation of authority. If you commission someone to do something, you are delegating those specific things for them to do. You're delegating the authority to do it. You're delegating the provision to do it. And so he says here unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, again, the punctuation is not in the original language. The translators have added that punctuation. And they put, in my name, they shall cast out devils. And then they put a semicolon there. And, and they shall speak with new tongues. But you could say, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. You know, let's say it this way. If you say, um, if you go into Kroger, in Kroger you will find milk and cheese over in the dairy aisle, and you'll find uh, Wheaties and Frosted Flakes over in the cereal aisle, and, and in Kroger, that's a prepositional phrase. That preposition in is denoting where you're going to find it, in Kroger, and then you're going to list all these things you're going to find in Kroger. So in my name, and now we're going to list all the things that we're capable of doing in his name. 
in my name you will, and then the list begins. Why? Because we're doing these things as his representative, as his, uh, as his stand-in. It's when, when Jesus delegated his name, he multiplied his capacity. He multiplied his ability. Why? Because in passing out his name and delegating his name, he has just given you the ability to do everything he would do. He's given you the ability to do everything he would do. He's given you the ability to fulfill all that he would do, and then he sends us out in different directions. You go... And you represent me, and when you represent me, I'll back you up. I'll empower you. I will stand by what you do in my name. I will empower and equip everything you do in my name. Hallelujah. This is the plan of God. This is what he desires for us to understand and participate in. Verse 20 They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. The Lord working with them. Why is he working with them? Because they're in his name. They've gone in his name, and the Lord is working with them. Hallelujah. That's his plan. That's his plan. That's his plan. That's his pattern. The Lord working with, he said, I'm giving you my name. I'll work with you. I'll be with you. He said over in Matthew, I'll be with you to the ends of the earth. He says here, the Lord working, they went everywhere. And when they went, who else was with them? The Lord was with them. Why? Everywhere they went. Now, if they didn't go, he couldn't go. See, a lot of people don't like to hear that because that puts responsibility on each of us individually. If, if, if we want him to go and we don't want to go, well, let, let Jesus do that. And he says, well, you're my hands and you're my feet and, and you're my body. And so if you want me to do it, then you got to take me there and you've got to represent me. You've got to authorize me in that situation. Do you see that? And so sometimes it's a lot easier on, on the, the, the believer who wants to be lazy but to say, well, we're just going to let God handle that. Well, whatever God wants to do. Well, there's a lot he wants to do that he's not doing right now. There's a lot that he wants that he'd like to get done. That he's waiting on somebody to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Is that what Jesus did? Jesus said, lo, here I am in the volume of the book, send me. And that's who's our pattern, who's our example. We need to take that same attitude of, Lord, here I am in the volume of the book. I see that I'm supposed to go in the name. I see that I'm supposed to represent your will in the situation. That if, if, if I go into the situation and I identify what the will of God is in that situation and I bring the name of Jesus into that situation and with faith in that name, I can bring the will of God into manifestation wow. in that situation. But if somebody doesn't go 
into that, uh, in, into that situation with faith in the name of Jesus and understand I am representing the will of God in this situation and I'm calling for it. I'm believing for it. I'm releasing the words necessary that he can work with. They went everywhere preaching and the Lord worked with them, with them. That's his pattern. And confirmed the word they preached with signs following. Why? Because they went, sent in his name. So let's look at Jesus. You know, I think it's always helpful if we just take our eyes off ourselves and look at him. Because when we look at him, the more we look at him, the less aware of we are of our insufficiencies, the less aware we are of our lack of ability. Because we, the more we see his ability, we just lose sight of our inability. Amen? So Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Peter is preaching there in the house of Cornelius, and this phrase stands out as that pattern, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. God was with Jesus. Everything Jesus did, he did because God was with him. Now, this was a learning curve for me because I had not been raised in church. I came to the church. I got saved and I began sitting and I sat there for the first few months thinking Jesus did everything he did because he was Jesus. (laughs) He did everything he did because he was the son of God. He did everything he did because he was the second person of the Godhead. I thought I had it all figured out. And then the more scripture came to light, I realized he set aside. He laid aside his omniscience. He laid aside his omnipotence. He laid aside his omnipresence. So in other words, he wasn't all-knowing after he had stripped himself of that and set it aside and came in the form and the fashion of a man. He came as a man with everything, all the abilities and equipments that we have. He was anointed by God, and we're anointed by God. And so what he did, he did because God was with him. How was God with him? I want to know because this is the pattern for us to follow. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19. To wit, I've never used that outside of the Bible. Can I see the amplified there? To wit. Have y'all ever said, oh, to wit? No, never. I've never used it. To wit. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation. So to wit means 
In other words, or to sum it all up, or to put it in a condensed language, God was personally present in Christ. Hallelujah. God was in Christ. So everything we see Jesus do, and Jesus, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything Jesus did, he did because God was with him. God was personally present in Christ. Now, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Why? Because Christ is personally present in us like God was personally present in him. Because we're following the pattern here. He's laid forth a pattern for us. He said, what I'm doing, I'm doing because God is personally present with me. And what you're doing, you're doing is because I'm personally present with you. I'm in you. And, and I'm in the Father. And you're in me. Hallelujah. So God was in Christ. And now it is Christ who is in us. Hallelujah. John chapter 5, verse 30. I'm, I'm arming you today. You're going to walk out of here fully loaded, fully armed with scriptural weapons and bullets to stand and defend and to hold your place in him. John 5 and verse 30. I want you to check, first of all, look at the front of your Bible right here and just make sure this is a real Bible. Make sure your Bible is real because when you read it, I don't want you to say, this is an error. So John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus, it's in red. Is yours in red? Y'all have red letter Bible? Is yours in red? Mine's in red. So this is Jesus. He is speaking. He says, I can of my own self, do nothing. Is that in your Bible? Does your Bible say Jesus said? This wasn't what somebody said about Jesus. This is what Jesus said about himself. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. So the one who sent him is the one who is equipping him to do what he does. Of himself, without the Father, he couldn't do it. But he said, of my, of my own self, I can't do it. But the one who sent me is the one who has equipped me. The one who sent me is the one who empowers me. So the key is in the sending. Jesus was sent by God, and he emphasized it so much, we need to emphasize it. It says in chapter 3 of the book of John, I'm just going to look around here in John because there are a lot of things John caught and recorded for us that will help us see this pattern. John chapter 3, again, verse 17 is in red. 
And Jesus is saying this, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The emphasis is on who sent me. God sent me. God sent me, and this is the reason he sent me. John chapter 4 and verse 34. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So his focus is on the one who sent him. His focus is on fulfilling the assignment, the commission of the one who sent him. I am sent by the Father. In the sending is the equipping. In the sending is the assignment. In the sending is the authority to do what he sent me to do. I can of my own self do nothing, but the one who sent me is the one who works through me. And again, we see in John chapter 5, we'll look at verse 23. That all men should honor the Son, again we're in red, even as they honor the Father, he that honors not the Son honors not the Father which hath sent him. And that reminds me of the pattern that we see Jesus said, if you receive me, you receive the one who sent me. And if they receive you, they receive the one who sent you. Hallelujah. That is a delegation of authority. This is the kingdom way. This is something that must be embraced because when the the centurion made the statement that caused Jesus to be to marvel at his faith. The centurion said, "All you need to do is speak the word because I understand being a man in authority and a man under authority. I'm under authority and I'm in a position of authority." And when I say go, do you see the command, the sending? When I say go, they go. And when I say come, they come. And when I say do this, they do it. So if you'll just send the word, if you'll just speak the word, if you'll just, the word is enough. Why? Because the word is that delegated authority. If you'll say it, that authority will come into my my servant's body and heal him. Hallelujah. And that's the pattern. If you receive the one who sent me, if you receive me, in effect, you're receiving the one who sent me. If you don't receive me, you're really not refusing me. You're really not rejecting me. You're rejecting the one who sent me. So when they rejected Jesus, who did they really reject? The Father who sent him because he wasn't there on his own mission. He wasn't there on his own accord. He wasn't there with his own ideas. He said, I only say what what my father told me to say. I'm only doing what my father told me to do. And this is our pattern. So Jesus 
was sent. And these are just a few of those references. And if you're looking for it, you'll find many more, especially in the book of John. But when, when we recognize that the authority comes from the one who sent me, what did Moses say? Who will I say sent me? Because they're wanting to know who, by whose authority are you standing before me? The one who sent me. So the authority we have comes from the fact that we're sent. And we've already read Matthew 28, 18, and Mark 16. And we all qualify as disciples if we've accepted him as Lord. And so we have all received a commission. You don't necessarily have a commission to China. You may not necessarily have a commission to go over to Russia. But you have a commission to represent. And you have a commission to go in his name into your world, into your sphere of influence, and to represent the will of God in your your area. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that's the pattern. We're sent. Jesus was sent by the Father, and we are sent by Jesus. Let's look at another aspect of this pattern, because we want to... Uh, we want to fall into line with the way that God has ordained for it to be. We're still in John. Let's look at John 4. And let's recognize uh, this. Uh, We've read it in verse 34. I want to read it again, but I want to look at this aspect. Jesus did the will of his head. We have a head. We're the body. Jesus is the head. He did the will of the one who was his headship. He says here, again, we've read it, but let's read it again. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This is our pattern, that we need to be interested in what his will is. That we need to not only be interested in learning it, but learn how to submit to it. That Jesus, who with even having in the garden, pushing against his flesh to put his flesh under and say, not my will. He came to the place where he was striving against his flesh to say, no, not my will, but God's will be done. The Father's will be done. Hallelujah. And all of us will come to a place where we have to make that choice to say, I prefer the will of God. I am not going to choose comfort over the will. I'm not going to choose uh, uh, discomfort over the will. I'm not going to allow something that puts my flesh under pressure to change and say, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let the will of God slide by so that I don't have to make this change in my life. Hallelujah. The will of the Father was Jesus' priority. And the will of Jesus is our priority. He's the head. Remember, we just found out what all he's doing. He's the mediator. He's the advocate. He's the head of the church. He's the Lord. Amen? He, he is He is active and involved, and he's busy. So I want to know, where's my part? What's your will for me? What's your assignment for me? 
and I want to embrace that will and make it priority. Again, in John, let's look at chapter 6 and verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now, listen to me. Jesus is making these, these declarations and these statements not just, you know, to impress anybody or to even necessarily to inform, but let it be on record. Let it be on record. There are a lot of things that Jesus said because it needs to be uttered. There are some things we need to say because it needs to be uttered. I don't, I'm not interested in my will. I'm here to do the will of the one who sent me. So he said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. His will is my priority. His will is what I'm interested in. So if we, if we submit to go where he sends us, if we submit to being sent and we submit to the will, then we find out what's next. John 5, 19. John 5, 19 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for what things soever he does, these also does the Son likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that himself doeth. The Father shows Jesus what he was doing. So the things we see Jesus doing, the miracles, the works, the Father showed him. The Father showed him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, the, the Father loves the Son and shows him all the things that himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the, up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. Who's he given the, who's, he's emphasizing the works are the Father's works, and the Son will do the Father's works. I'm sent by the Father. I'm submitted to do the will of the Father. That's my priority, not to do my will, but to do His will. And in that submission, I'll do the works of my Father. And we are sent by Jesus, and we are submitted to the will of Jesus, and we will do the works of Jesus. Why? Because He's the head and we're the body. Hallelujah. John 5, 36. But I have a greater witness than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the same works that I do. They bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. There we go back to the sending again. The works bear witness to the one who sent me. It's the Father working in him. Did we see that? God was with him. Acts 10, 38, God was personally present in Christ in Corinthians, right? God was in him. It was, it was God's works 
who was doing God's works. You, we've got to renew our mind. We've got to come into line to see it the way God showed it to us. He showed us the pattern so that we could look at it and we could find ourselves in it. And we could see that we are not to sit on the outskirts. We are not to sit as spectators in the stands of God and say, wow, wow, that's great what God's doing without us. No, he wants us to be the ones that the people who don't know him are looking at what we're doing and saying, look at what God is doing in Andre. Look at what God is doing through James. Look at what God has done in their lives and through their lives. Why? It's his work. And we are authorized. We are the representatives. The name has been given among men. There's no other name given among men. The name has been given. And what happened when two men found out that the name had been given to them? They said, what I have, I give it to you. What I have, I give it to you. I've got something to give you that will help you. What I have, I give unto you. He said, faith in the name has made this man whole. What? Faith in the fact that I'm sent. What does the name represent? I'm sent. Faith in the fact that I'm sent and I'm authorized and I'm submitted to his will and I will work his works. Hallelujah. It's it's not going to happen just because we were washed in the blood. It can happen because we've been washed in the blood. But we've got to embrace our part and take our place and say, I believe. I believe that I'm named with that name. It says the whole family in heaven and in earth is named with the name. The family in heaven who've already moved to heaven, they're named with the name. But we're the family on the earth. We're named with the name. And that sets us apart. Like it or not, it sets us apart. We're named with the name. So we might as well pick up the name and let that name work through us the will of God in our situations. Uh, We're talking about a spiritual reality. We're not talking about something that's just going to happen in the sweet by and by. This is the game changer for the situations in our life that when we come into that alignment with God's will, his pattern, he sent me. I am delegated with the authority. I am here to do the will of the one who sent me and to do the will of the one who sent me. I will have to perform his works. To do his will. Verse 36 of chapter 5. Hallelujah. Again, he said, The works which the Father has given me to finish. Every one of us have some works that our Lord Jesus Christ has given us to finish. And when we do those works, they will bear witness of the one who sent us. 
John chapter 9 and verse 4. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. I just challenge each one of us to take this verse and pick it up and put it in our heart and in our mouth every day. Just pick it up and put it in your heart and in your mouth and just say it out of your own mouth. I must work the works of him that sent me. And just, just meditate on it through the day. Just meditate on it. Just, just mumble it to yourself. And every time you do, you're stirring it up in your spirit. I must work the works of him that sent me. I must work the works of him that sent me. Because the, the emphasis that we see Jesus giving to this truth is because it was big in him. It was big in him. It was something that, that dominated his thoughts. It was something that was on the forefront of his mind. It wasn't something back here like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I forgot. Oh, man, yeah, that's why I'm here. That's what I'm doing here. Wait a minute. Okay, let me get back to business here. No, it wasn't something secondary to him. It wasn't something back in the back of his mind. It was right out up front. It was, it was there when he woke up in the morning. It was there. He said, it's my meat. It's my meat. It's, it's, what, it's what drives me. It's what motivates me. It's what gives me my nourishment is to do the will of the one who sent me. Hallelujah. I must work the works of him that sent me. Hallelujah. So we see that Jesus was sent by God. He did the will of his headship, his father. We see that he did the works of his father. In the same way we are sent by Jesus, we do his will and we do his works. There's one other aspect that I want you to see. Jesus revealed the Father. John 14, verses 8 through 11. He revealed the Father. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it suffices us. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long time with you, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how do you say then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father. They're his words. The Father that dwells in me. He does the works. He does the works. It's his words, his works. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what we should say. If you've seen me, the words that I'm speaking are his words. The works that I'm doing are his works. So if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus in me. 
Why? Because I can of my own self do nothing. But he that sent me, he's the one doing the works. He's the one who is speaking through me. Amen? Do you see that pattern? So he revealed through him doing the works and speaking the words, people were able to see God in him. And that's the way people can see Christ in us. Let's look at another example here in John 15 and verse 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord does, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known, or you could say revealed, unto you. I've revealed the words of my Father to you. And then again in John 17... And verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. This is Jesus speaking to the Father. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And that word glorified is representative of revealed you. I've glorified you on the earth by showing your works and your word to those who have seen me. Hallelujah. He revealed the Father. And that's our part in Christ, to reveal Him. How can people see Him if we're not shining forth His light? How can people understand? You know, Do you know why there are so many false religions in the world? Why there are so many people who still worship a statue? It's because they've tried to use their own intellect and, and understanding to explain God. I mean, they worship the Nile River. They worship the moon. They worship the sun. How many of the ancient religions worship the sun? Why? Because they're trying to, to understand from their own things they can see and things they can explain. They're trying to, t- trying to put God in their understanding. Why? Because they, they haven't seen him. But when someone comes and brings the words that he sent, when someone comes and does the works of him, they can see Christ in us, through us. They can receive his words because we bring his words. They can receive his works because we bring his works. That is the representation of the name of Jesus. The Father was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. What the Father did intervening on the earth was through Jesus, but now Jesus is intervening on the earth through his body. John 17, we're already here. Let's look at verse 18. Again, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he said, As you sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Hallelujah. You sent me, and now I've sent them. There, you've got it in red, red letters. 
You've got it in red letters. We've been sent. John 20, verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Hallelujah. We've been sent. Why? To represent, to do his works, to do his will, and to reveal him to anyone and everyone we can reveal him to so that they can see Christ in us, so that he can reconcile the world to himself through us. We are now ministers of his reconciliation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands and say, thank you, Lord. You may not understand how you're going to do it. You may not understand all the details, but if you'll just accept the assignment, all the equipment comes with it. All that you need. If you'll just say, Lord, I am sent. Here I am. Send me. Here I am. I'll go. I will represent you. I will go in your name. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll equip you. He'll give you every wisdom that you need. He'll give you every understanding that you need. He'll give you all the strength that you need. He'll give you all the supernatural power that you need. He'll work the works. He'll, he'll work. The, they're his works. He'll work the works. He will work the works. Hallelujah. 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 He will work the works. If you'll just submit to the call. If you'll just be named with that name. Take responsibility for the name you've been given. Let that name be glorified in your obedience. Let that name be glorified in your obedience. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands and worship the Lord today. Hallelujah. Glory to God.